The Extraordinary Adventures of Arsène Lupin, Gentleman Burglar It was shortly after noon when Ganimard entered the cell of Arsène Lupin. The latter, who was lying on his bed, raised his head and uttered a cry of apparent joy. Ah, this is a real surprise! My dear Ganimard, here! Ganimard himself. In my chosen retreat I have felt a desire for many things, but my fondest wish was to receive you here. Very kind of you, I am sure. Not at all. You know I hold you in the highest regard. I am proud of it. I have always said, Ganimar is our best detective. He is almost, you see how candid I am, he is almost as clever as Sherlock Holmes. But I am sorry that I cannot offer you anything better than this hard stool, and no refreshments, not even a glass of beer. Of course you will excuse me, as I am here only temporarily. Ganimar smiled and accepted the proffered seat. Then the prisoner continued. Mon Dieu, how pleased I am to see the face of an honest man. I am so tired of those devils of spies who come here ten times a day to ransack my pockets and my cell to satisfy themselves that I am not preparing to escape. The government is very solicitous on my account. It is quite right. Why so? I should be quite content if they would allow me to live in my own quiet way. On other people's money. Quite so. That would be so simple. But here I am joking, and you are no doubt in a hurry. So let us come to business, Ganimar. To what do I owe the honor of this visit? The K-Horn affair, declared Ganimar frankly. Ah, wait one moment. You see, I have had so many affairs. First, let me fix in my mind the circumstances of this particular case. Ah, yes, now I have it. The K-Horn affair, Malachy Castle, Seine Inferieure. Two Rubens, a Vato, and a few trifling articles. Trifling? Oh, ma foi, all that is of slight importance. But it suffices to know that the affair interests you. How can I serve you, Ganimar? Must I explain to you what steps the authorities have taken in the matter? Not at all. I have read the newspapers, and I will frankly state that you have made very little progress. And that is the reason I have come to see you. I am entirely at your service. In the first place, the Cahorn affair was managed by you? From A to Z. The letter of warning? The telegram? All mine. I ought to have the receipts somewhere. Arsène opened the drawer of a small table of plain white wood, which, with the bed and stool, constituted all the furniture in his cell, and took therefrom two scraps of paper which he handed to Ganimar. Ah! exclaimed the detective in surprise. I thought you were closely guarded in search, and I find that you read the newspapers and collect postal receipts. Bah! These people are so stupid. They open the lining of my vest, they examine the soles of my shoes, they sound the walls of my cell, but they never imagine that Arsène Lupin would be foolish enough to choose such a simple hiding place. Ganimard laughed as he said, <laughs> What a droll fellow you are. Really, you bewilder me. But come now. Tell me about the K-Horn affair. Oh, not quite so fast. You would rob me of all my secrets, expose all my little tricks. This is a very serious matter. Was I wrong to count on your complacence? No, Ganimar, and since you insist... 
Arsene Lupin paced his cell two or three times. Then, stopping before Ganimard, he asked, What do you think of my letter to the Baron? I think you were amusing yourself by playing to the gallery. Ah, playing to the gallery. Come, Ganimard, I thought you knew me better. Do I, Arsene Lupin, ever waste my time on such puerilities? Would I have written that letter if I could have robbed the Baron without writing to him? I want you to understand that the letter was indispensable. It was the motor that set the whole machine in motion. Now, let us discuss together a scheme for the robbery of the Malachy Castle. Are you willing? Yes, proceed. Well, let us suppose a castle carefully closed and barricaded like that of the Baron Cahorn. Am I to abandon my scheme and renounce the treasures that I covet upon the pretext that the castle which holds them is inaccessible? Evidently not. Should I make an assault upon the castle at the head of a band of adventurers as they did in ancient times? That would be foolish. Can I gain admittance by stealth or cunning? Impossible. Then there is only one way open to me. I must have the owner of the castle invite me to it. That is surely an original method. And how easy! Let us suppose that one day the owner receives a letter warning him that a notorious burglar known as Arsène Lupin is plotting to rob him. What will he do? Send a letter to the procureur. Who will laugh at him because the said Arsène Lupin is actually in prison? Then, in his anxiety and fear, the simple man will ask the assistance of the first comer, will he not? Very likely. And if he happens to read in a country newspaper that a celebrated detective is spending his vacation in a neighboring town, he will seek that detective, of course. But on the other hand, let us presume that, having foreseen that state of affairs, the said Arsène Lupin has requested one of his friends to visit Caudebec, make the acquaintance of the editor of the Réveil, a newspaper to which the Baron is a subscriber, and let said editor understand that such person is the celebrated detective. Then what will happen? The editor will announce in the Réveil the presence in Caudebec of said detective. Exactly. And one of two things will happen. Either the fish, I mean Cahorn, will not bite and nothing will happen, or, what is more likely, he will run and greedily swallow the bait. Thus behold my Baron Cahorn imploring the assistance of one of my friends against me. Original indeed. Of course the pseudo-detective at first refuses to give any assistance. On top of that comes the telegram from Arsene Lupin. The frightened baron rushes once more to my friend and offers him a definite sum of money for his services. My friend accepts and summons two members of our band, who, during the night, whilst Cahorn is under the watchful eye of his protector, removes certain articles by way of the window and lowers them with ropes into a nice little launch chartered for the occasion. Simple, isn't it? Marvelous, marvelous, exclaimed Ganimard. The boldness of the scheme and the ingenuity of all its details are beyond criticism. But who is the detective whose name and fame served as a magnet to attract the baron and draw him into your net? There is only one name could do it, only one. And that is? Arsène Lupin's personal enemy, the most illustrious Ganimard. I? Yourself, Ganimard. And really, it is very funny. 
If you go there and the Baron decides to talk, you will find that it will be your duty to arrest yourself, just as you arrested me in America. Huh? The revenge is really amusing. I caused Ganimar to arrest Ganimar. Arsene Lupin laughed heartily. The detective, greatly vexed, bit his lips. To him, the joke was quite devoid of humor. The arrival of a prison guard gave Ganimar an opportunity to recover himself. The man brought Arsène Lupin's luncheon, furnished by a neighboring restaurant. After depositing the tray upon the table, the guard retired. Lupin broke his bread, ate a few morsels, and continued. But rest easy, my dear Ganimar. You will not go to Malachy. I can tell you something that will astonish you. The Cahorn affair is on the point of being settled. Excuse me? I have just seen the chief of the Sûreté. What of that? Does Monsieur Dudouis know my business better than I do myself? You will learn that Ganimar, excuse me, that the pseudo-Ganimar, still remains on very good terms with the Baron. The latter has authorized him to negotiate a very delicate transaction with me, and, at the present moment, in consideration of a certain sum, it is probable that the Baron has recovered possession of his pictures and other treasures. And on their return, he will withdraw his complaint. Thus, there is no longer any theft, and the law must abandon the case. Ganimar regarded the prisoner with a bewildered air. And how do you know all that? I have just received the telegram I was expecting. You have just received a telegram. This very moment, my dear friend, out of politeness, I did not wish to read it in your presence, but if you will permit me, you are joking, Lupin. My dear friend, if you will be so kind as to break that egg, you will learn for yourself that I am not joking. Mechanically, Ganimar obeyed and cracked the eggshell with the blade of a knife. He uttered a cry of surprise. The shell contained nothing but a small piece of blue paper. At the request of Arsène, he unfolded it. It was a telegram, or rather a portion of a telegram from which the postmarks had been removed. It read as follows. Contract closed. Hundred thousand balls delivered. All well. One hundred thousand balls, said Ganimar. Yes, one hundred thousand francs. Very little, but then, you know, these are hard times. And I have some heavy bills to meet. If you only knew my budget, living in the city comes very high. Ganimar arose. His ill humor had disappeared. He reflected for a moment, glancing over the whole affair in an effort to discover a weak point. Then, in a tone and manner that betrayed his admiration of the prisoner, he said, Fortunately, we do not have a dozen such as you to deal with. If we did, we would have to close up shop. Arsène Lupin assumed a modest air as he replied, Bah! A person must have some diversion to occupy his leisure hours, especially when he is in prison. What? exclaimed Ganimar. Your trial, your defense, the examination, isn't that sufficient to occupy your mind? No, because I have decided not to be present at my trial. Oh-ho! Arsène Lupin repeated positively, I shall not be present at my trial. Really? Ah, my dear monsieur, do you suppose I'm going to rot upon the wet straw? You insult me. Arsène Lupin remains in prison just as long as it pleases him, and not one minute more. Perhaps it would have been more prudent if you had avoided getting there, said the detective, ironically. Ah, monsieur jests. Monsieur must remember that he had the honor to effect my arrest. 
Know then, my worthy friend, that no one, not even you, could have placed a hand upon me if a much more important event had not occupied my attention at that critical moment. You astonish me. A woman was looking at me, Ganimar, and I loved her. Do you fully understand what that means, to be under the eyes of a woman that one loves? I cared for nothing in the world but that, and that is why I am here. Permit me to say you have been here a long time. In the first place I wished to forget. Do not laugh. It was a delightful adventure and is still a tender memory. Besides, I have been suffering from neurasthenia. Life is so feverish these days that it is necessary to take the rest cure occasionally, and I find this spot a sovereign remedy for my tired nerves. Arsene Lupin, you are not a bad fellow after all. Thank you, said Lupin. Gadamar, this is Friday. On Wednesday next, at four o'clock in the afternoon, I will smoke my cigar at your house in the Rue Pergolaise. Arsène Lupin, I will expect you. They shook hands like two old friends who valued each other at their true worth. Then the detective stepped to the door. Gadamar! What is it? asked Gadamar as he turned back. You have forgotten your watch. My watch? Yes, it strayed into my pocket. He returned the watch, excusing himself. Pardon me, a bad habit. Because they have taken mine is no reason why I should take yours. Besides, I have a chronometer here that satisfies me fairly well. He took from the drawer a large gold watch and heavy chain. From whose pocket did that come? asked Ganimar. Arsene Lupin gave a hasty glance at the initials engraved on the watch. J.B., who the devil can that be? Ah, yes, I remember. Jules Bouvier, the judge who conducted my examination. A charming fellow. 